and welcome to Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up where we discuss all of the political stories we've been covering this week for One News. We're coming to you live from the legendary TVNZ Beehive Studio. I'm Mikey Sherman. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. I'm Benedict Collins. And this week we're going to try a little something different, a little something new. We're going to talk about the peaks and the pits of our week, uh, where we discuss the highlights and basically the lowlights. So starting off with you, Jess, what was your peak? So my peak this week was getting to do a sit-down interview with the Director-General of GCSB. And that's cool for a few reasons. A, you get to go inside the GCSB, which I find a very fascinating experience. And B, just sitting down and talking to a spy um, is really rare and um, quite exciting. So that was the that was the peak highlight of my week. And your That's pit, sad, really? My pit. Um, so I've lived away from Wellington for a while, and um, this week has been particularly windy. And I think I forgot about the piece to camera rage with the wind. Um, we stand outside to record our pieces to camera, and um, if you're here. If you have long hair, it can be quite a rageful experience. Um, I got that back yesterday and had to just had to just be like, right, we're done. That's that's the first one we go. It just blows everywhere, and only when you're just getting it right. Um, it's still a little bit close, and I can still feel that um, anger quite deep inside me. I feel like rage with the wind would be a good sort of book title or sort or of heavy metal band or something. Heavy metal band, <laughs> Rage with the Wind. Benedict? Right, a highlight for me, I think, was uh, covering the New Zealand First Conference at the weekend. And uh, the highlight being um, the Voxies, they, as we're going to see later on, um, uh, they basically floated the idea of immigrants having to sign up to a New Zealand values pledge. And, uh, yeah, as you'll see later on, some pretty uh, no-filter responses from New Zealand First members who passionately believe uh, that this is a good idea. And I guess the the low light for me from this week and a bit of a criticism of our team would be that we haven't covered the New Zealand Bird of the Year um, <laughs> story, which is obviously the big political story this this week. Because we're serious political journalists, but sure. Yeah, but we <laughs> I believe we've all locked in or, or voted for our Bird of the Year. Yeah, locked in the nighttime I'd... murder bird, uh, the Ruru. <laughs> I'm giving some How background music. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. The, the bird and the have year. you voted? No, I can't say I have, but my vote can be bought for baking, I, I declared at the um, in the office this morning. So yeah. Benedict feels very passionately about this. I climbed on board last minute just to kind of try and support him. I picked the Tui um, because there's some that are that are around my house, so that I thought that was really nice, and they have fabulous accessories, so in the form of their um, white on the neck, so um, that was that was my choice, and I did, I voted this morning, so, you know, you're nice. a bit of an influencer. Yeah. Mm. Um, my peak has to be the Theresa May Dancing Queen video. <laughs> awesome. um, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you Google it, because it is something, it is something special, uh. something awesome. I likened her, likened it this morning to Mr Bean, dancing. So you should also Google that because um, they, they compare quite well. Um, and my pit has to be that this is the first week of um, parliamentary recess uh, where MPs go back into their electorates, um, basically leaving us here um, to languish alone in, in the halls of parliament. Um, and it can become quite dull. Luckily, though, I did get to um, head to Hobbiton yesterday with the Prime Minister, which was awesome. And we'll see that in my track um, later on. Um, but first up, um, to one of the bigger Stories, mm. uh, which kicked off earlier this week, which was yours, um, Jess, on um, Jamie Lee Ross. Let's take a look at that. 
Jamie Lee Ross is in the inner circle, ranked seventh in the party, and until earlier this year, the chief whip in charge of organising national MPs. He has asked for some time away from Parliament to deal with some personal health issues. Jamie Lee Ross has asked for privacy, but in a statement says, there are times in life where you have to put your own health and family first. As a husband and a father, I need to do that at this time. He says, I have asked to have some time off on medical leave for a few months, and adds, I look forward to returning to Parliament in the future to rejoin our caucus. Mr Ross first talked to Mr Bridges last week. What a sensitive you know, um, uh, perhaps actually a bit embarrassing, you know, a lot embarrassing potentially, it does take some time. It comes during the investigation by PricewaterhouseCooper into who leaked the details of Simon Bridges' travel expenses. Have you or anyone in your team asked him if he was the leaker? Um, I, I'm trying to remember, look I think implicitly um, I have asked really every member of caucus now, Jamie Lee, not, Lee Ross is very clear he's not. But he doesn't know who it is. I can be no clearer to you than to say I don't know who the leaker is. We've got investigation going. But be clear, that is separate, entirely separate, from what Jamie Lee Ross has come to me about. Mr Ross is the MP for Botany. So what do the people in his East Auckland electorate think? Well, he must need to have some time off. And I think, I mean, if you have to have it off, you have to have it off. That's kind of difficult, isn't it, for the electorate? that they don't have someone representing them. Winston Peters has more questions. And this is not the end of it, there's more to come. And so the National Party is dysfunction junction at the moment, and you, you, this is only the beginning of it. Do you still have confidence in Jamie Lee Ross? Is there a way back for him? Y yes, ultimately that's up to Jamie Lee Ross. An MP who'll be taking a break from the corridors of power for now. And this is a complex story to cover and a complex story probably for us to talk about here because what you've got is is two quite separate things that kind of merged into one um, this week. So let's start off, shall we, talking about um, Jamie Lee Ross leaving. And he we got a statement from the leader of the opposition, Simon Bridges, saying, come to a press conference, um, Jamie Lee Ross is going to be taking a break from Parliament for health reasons and called us in to have this press conference. Now, at the bottom of that press release, he said, just a note, the leak investigation is very... The leak investigation is very separate yep. from this announcement today, obviously anticipating that there would be questions around this. So, I mean, you've got, you've got an MP, he's seventh... In the party, he's um, a close ally of Simon Bridges, um, and he is taking a break. He's going to be in his electorate. He's not going to be doing a lot of um, stuff. He's going to be heading back to his electorate and just um, taking a break from Parliament for a few months to deal with this. What are your thoughts on this aspect well, of I it? I thought it was extraordinary. Um, we were because it happened up in Auckland. You're at the press conference, and we're all sitting around watching it live. You know, uh, computers. And normally when you've got someone, you know, stepping down for personal reasons, normally the party would put out a statement or, or maybe they'll you know, make a little statement in front of the, you know, in front of the media. But that, I mean, that was just extraordinary watching that, um, you know, Simon Bridges' uh, press conference there, especially the way he said, oh, you know, these personal issues, they're embarrassing, you know, seriously embarrassing here for, um, for Jamie Lee Ross. It, 
you know, in the same time, he's saying he's stepping down for personal health reasons. Um, you know, really, I couldn't quite figure out, you know, what he was trying to achieve by doing that, whether he was trying to put in the boot um, to Jamie Lee, because it seemed like the opposite of what he should be, you know, saying. If, if he did have someone sitting down, stepping down for personal health reasons. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to, to personal health reasons and issues of any of, of that sort, you have to deal with it really delicately right. and sensitively and so it was it was as you say quite astonishing that they did um, a long stand up on that and it quickly as we saw it quickly became a train wreck basically for Simon Bridges um, we even saw Paula Bennett having to sort of jump in and try to salvage it but Granted, she didn't come off uh, looking too well in, in doing that as well. Um, Some saying she she seemed a bit bolshy, but that's a side issue. In terms of um, yeah, just the way that Simon Bridges handled it, um, obviously he did say the the word embarrassing at least three times. Um, and so when you're talking about someone's sort of um, health and well-being and talking about um, their wife and their children. Why on earth would you bring up the word embarrassing? Um, so it really sort of shot um, Simon Bridges shot himself in the foot on that one. I and thought on he was asked about that in the stand up, yeah. and he said, "Oh look, perhaps that wasn't the right word to use." Um, and he has been at pains to clarify, and and even yesterday saying, "Look, I regret what I said. Yeah, I chose the wrong word." A bit word. late, right? But yeah, it's, a bit it's, late. It's, yeah. But it's, one thing to do it once is you could sort of yeah. um, argue that it's poor phrasing, but to do it three times is unforgivable. And it raises questions as well, and that's the that's the thing. By using a word like that, you think, "What does he mean?" He's well, not talking right. about it, mental health. And you sort of sit around and you start to think, "Well, what's a personal health reason that's seriously embarrassing?" You know, yeah. and you start sort of throwing around the theories. You know, it kind of pours fuel on the fire, that maybe it's yeah. not a totally legitimate reason that he's stepping down But for. I do think he needed to front on it. I think it would have yeah. been one of those things that if he didn't, it would have dragged it on, he would have been chased around. I do think that he needed to, particularly on this issue, come out and, and make a statement like that. They needed to front foot it and he needed to do that press conference. Um, he could have avoided it without using the word embarrassing and there are, there are things I'm sure he would have wanted to handle better, but I do think they needed to front up to the media on this one. Yeah. Perhaps just wanting to wrap it up a little quicker than than they did. It seemed to have dragged on quite long and, and that's sort of when it all started going downhill. Yeah, and Mikey, I think you, you um, during the press conference or just afterwards, you tweeted out, you know, his use of the word embarrassing. Um, uh, you know, what sort of reaction did you get there? It got major pickup. I mean, people were... On one hand, they were furious on the at Simon Bridges, um, saying that it was insensitive and inappropriate. On the other hand, um, they were trying to throw speculation at me and at, at us as the media for trying to um, stir up the pot on it. But um, it, it was a point, poignant um, point to make, I think, um, that he did sort of say that not once, not twice, but three times. Yeah, and I just think now with this inv leak investigation, where they're having to hurry up and wait, basically, and it's probably not going to be next week. It's probably going to be the week after. None of these outcomes are going to be good for Simon Bridges. It's either an MP, that, um, which was a bad outcome. It could be a staffer, which they'll have to deal with, bad outcome, or um, they won't find out who it is in the investigation, and that person carries on working yeah. here at the Beehive. So it, it's lose, lose, lose. And the other theory is that if it was Jamie Lee Ross, it would be very convenient for him not to be here, you know, 
you know, and we don't know who it was. But you know, if it, mm. if he was found to be the leaker, it would be convenient for him not to be there. Was the other sort of argument that was floating yeah. around this week? Audrey well, Young made a really good column, uh, wrote a really good column yeah. saying. Um, it's really, really bad timing for Jamie Lee Ross if he's not the leaker because this, the way that this is playing out, and and that's the thing we there's we don't know who it is, and um, that that's the the questions mm, were mm. raised to him. But it's bad timing for him in all of this, and that I'm sure is um, not helping the situation. Also interesting on the leak front that they've now expanded um, the investigation to staff members outside of Parliament. Um, what do you think that says? I, I talked to um, National about this um, on the on the Tuesday, and they were saying that it's the delay is because they needed more information from parliamentary services, and so MPs sign a waiver so that when something like this happens, boom, you know, you have to hand over the information for staffers because they're parliamentary services. That's a little bit different. So it's not just the ones here; it's the ones in the electorate as well. And they're saying that it's the delay in getting that to Price Cooper, but the staff were always part of that mix um, at the beginning. It just has been a slow process. And you can just imagine behind the scenes, Simon Bridges and Paula Bennett being like, come on, get this going. get Because mm. it's just a grey cloud hanging over them. It's probably disappointing for Simon Bridges as well because actually inside the House in particular um, during question time and we've sort of noted this um, just sitting around in our office watching question time play out um, that Simon Bridges has actually been quite strong in the House on uh, on terms of his questioning um, of the Prime Minister and Winston Peters. He has managed to sort of get under um, the skin of the government at times um, quite, quite tactfully um, and so to have all of this sort of um, internal um, stuff weighing him down um, when he's doing actually quite a good sort of um, performance um, in, in terms of the political side of mm. things, um, the moving and the shaking of Parliament um, is quite unfortunate for him. What do you think this means for, um, just in terms of the way that he's handled it, what does this mean for his leadership prospects? Yeah, I think on that point, it's not like there's not political fodder for him to pick up. I He's going to have to make a really strong stand on this. For him, the best case scenario is if the person is named and he can act decisively whichever way that it is. I think worst way is if no one is named and he's left there and everyone thinks, oh, well, you've got a leaker in your cabinet and you can't show that leadership um, in this situation. And it's and it's going to be delicate. If, if it's an MP, it's going to be really challenging for him. Yeah. Do you think Jamie Lee Ross will ever come back or do you think there'll be a by-election? It's, it's hard to say at this month, at this moment. He's got a couple of months off and then they'll reassess the situation. He did say in his statement, look, I'm looking forward to um, rejoining the caucus and coming back. Um, I, that is a personal decision um, to make and depending on, on, on what's going on mm. behind the scenes, this is a high-stress, high-pressure environment and um, he'll have to assess that with his family and <coughs> with the party as well. Yeah. Now, from high-stress and high-pressure environment to Chillsville, uh, namely Hobbiton, nice. which is where I would see that segue, <laughs> which is where I went with the Prime Minister yesterday. Um, let's take a look at that track. You've been doing better segues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 the Prime Minister out and about in Waikato today, announcing investment from the Provincial Growth Fund. 
But it's her own ministerial portfolio that's really got Jacinda Ardern a buzz. Because the well-being of children really dictates our future as a whole. Winning the support of National for her child poverty reduction bill. Working collectively to garner support from across the House, yeah, that was important and that's what we've managed to achieve. We in National want to be constructive where we can, where we can find common ground. The support didn't come free though, National managing to get some concessions over the line. In addition to financial poverty, the measures will now include housing, education and health. And all decisions will take into account the need for early intervention and evidence-informed policy. That's things that it would be hard to disagree with, so we had no qualms about putting those into the bill. But those on the front line aren't happy. We're disappointed that the social investment approach is being entrenched in this piece of legislation. This is something organisations on the ground and other political parties have been critical of. Public submissions also saw the inclusion of specific reporting on some groups such as Māori and while National did manage a good deal, it didn't get everything. They were about things like putting specific numbers in the bill around the targets. In our view that would mean changing the bill on a regular basis. Reducing child poverty is an issue of personal interest to the Prime Minister. It was a key theme in her speech at the United Nations just last week and getting the opposition on board today will be seen as a political win. But there's more work to do. The government has yet to reduce any benefit sanctions, increase benefit levels or introduce any legislation that will reduce the amount of rent. There is more to do, but I think it's the kind of start we need to start making a difference for kids. A quest, the Prime Minister says, is more worthy than any. So obviously, um, as we saw in that track, a uh, hugely uh, significant moment politically there. I think this is the first time that we've seen uh, the government um, and nationals sort of come together bipartisanly um, to support um, a, a bill. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's one of those things politically we have to be, where nationals said, oh, we need to get on board with this and then mm. work together. Um, usually they'll be at loggerheads just, for, you know, to be for the point of difference. But on something like this, I think National has said, yeah, we need to be on board with this. Let's get these concessions. Do you think the concessions are significant or are they symbolic? I think they're significant. I think they're significant concessions, especially when you hear the likes of, in that track, um, Auckland, against, Auckland Action Against Poverty, um, criticising the government for taking on the one specifically around social investment, uh, the social investment approach. Um, so in their eyes, that's been something that obviously those on the front line and other political parties, um, as they mentioned, have been against. Um, and we've seen uh, Labour, um, the government, I guess, take this on board um, in order to get national support. Um, but Jacinda Ardern, obviously, in that track, saying that it's basically common sense and that you know they 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 had no qualms um, making those changes. Yeah, and I think um, watching the Simon Bridges. Uh, presser yesterday, you know, he, he was at pains to say, you know, they were quite significant changes. They made the, you know, they made the bill significantly better, um, you know, through their input. So that was interesting to watch. But it is good on these big issues. I think the public mm. like the idea of on big, you know, child poverty, big things that are going to have a, a flow-on effect for a long time. That you do have all political parties um, on board on this. So you're not flip-flopping every time we change government. The other, um, sorry, no. the other um, um, change that we saw come in um, was part of the submissions. Um, so through the submissions, the government took on board um, some of the the court or the talk about um, the need for um, targeting of specific groups, including Maori. Um, I, 
I think that's quite significant to um, have that sort of data around Māori um, in poverty, especially when they make up quite a large number of those um, living in poverty, because when you have the numbers, um, some would argue that you're, you're then able to hold those who um, are in those positions of power um, even more to account. When you have the numbers, then you can say, hey, what are you doing? These numbers haven't shifted. You need to do better, um, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's good, and that sort of also shows the public public, I guess, that when they are in that submission process, um, that they are being yeah. heard and, and that changes can come from that and be implemented into a bill that's already in, in underway. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, it's good. I, I think you're right. It's good for the public to see that and hopefully be more engaged and feel like they have a voice in mm. the political system. It's important. It's really good. Um, should we have a One of the other things this week as well was the... Um, Russia spy story and we covered that last night and basically that was with Russia with the LGCSB coming out and saying look Russia um, was to blame for four of these instances of cyber security um, and that and that's what we did the interview with the GCSB on and it's a, it's a significant story because it's the you know it's New Zealand joining in quite strongly with our other Five Eyes partners. and a real coordinated kind mm. of effort to ramp up the yeah, yeah. the media attention. Very around. similar language yeah. in their statements, yeah. yeah, and just a way to put pressure on Russia, I guess as well. But um, that was one of the stories we covered this week, but and it got us thinking. Um, and it's not the first time that Russia has been a feature in our news. So take a look at this historic clip. It's often been alleged Soviet officials funded activities of the Socialist Unity Party and other left-wing groups here. And these alleged links with local political groups have led to expulsions on more than one occasion. This occurred with two Soviet diplomats in the early 1960s and with two others in 1975. Those sent home in that year were Dmitry Razgovorov and Vladimir Pertsev. Razgovorov was alleged to have received official information from civil servant and author Dr. William Such. Such was found not guilty of passing secrets, but the scandal effectively ended his career. Certainly in the 70s, New Zealand's Security Intelligence Service considered some Soviet diplomats posted here worked for the KGB. And the SIS believed KGB agents undertook activities remarkably similar to those which apparently led to Mr. Kadyrov's expulsion yesterday. They were also very interested in documentation uh, of individuals, uh, such things as uh, uh, equipping people with false passports and so on for uh, illicit use in other countries. In 1980 came the expulsion of Soviet ambassador Vladimir Sofinsky. The SIS taped conversations involving Mr. Sofinsky at this motel. It was alleged the ambassador gave money to the then secretary of the Socialist Unity Party, Mr. George Jackson. Mr. Jackson denied receiving the money, but Mr. Safinsky was expelled. The most recent example came under David Lange's prime ministership in 1987. Here, diplomatic official Sergei Budnik was expelled after being accused of operating as a KGB agent. Four years later, another Soviet intelligence agent, apparently operating as a loner and without diplomatic immunity, has added a new chapter in the history of espionage in New Zealand. Hey, now, at the weekend, I was off to cover the uh, New Zealand First Conference in Tauranga. It was their uh, 25th anniversary of having formed the party. 
So have a look at this track. New Zealand First members calling for a law to force migrants to sign up to Kiwi values. If, if somebody's over here doesn't want to salute this country's law, who's bigoted when it comes to religious tolerance, who thinks women are cattle and second-class citizens, that person should not be here. Sorry. But the call for a citizenship test is dividing the party. They're on our turf now, and they've got to respect our rules. When you're in Rome, you do what the Romans do, don't you? I think it's worse than going into a shop and going to be person behind the counter talking foreign language to you. Some clearly opposed, but outnumbered during a vote. There could be taken from that that there are racist implications. Well, what are New Zealand values? That's what I need to know first. Me sitting on the youth, the youth table, the youth uh, Young New Zealand First table, well, all of us are pretty much against that. In a statement, the Greens said it's important the debate about migration isn't used to bring out harmful racist sentiments. But the idea has at least one supporter outside of the party. Look, I'll certainly be supporting a bill that stands up for basic Kiwi values. Uh, I just want to see if New Zealand First actually does what they say they're going to do. The party wouldn't reveal the specifics of its draft bill today, but One News understands refugees and immigrants could face a deportation tribunal if their values were in question. Winston Peters insists there's a problem. If you don't know about this, then you haven't been anywhere. I'm afraid I can take to a lot of people who believe that women are second-class citizens, that they don't have the equal rights of men, and that's not what this country thinks, and we should stand up for it. It's now up to New Zealand First MPs to weigh up whether to lodge their bill in Parliament. Yeah, so it was um, it was sort of an interesting weekend. They obviously, um, you know, being their 25th anniversary, they look back over their history and a lot. But then on the Sunday, um, Winston Peters gave his main address, and it was sort of the the common themes you see are oh, the neoliberal agenda, oh, the mindless media swarm kind of things. You know, he says in every good speech. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yada, yada. What was quite interesting was what came up in the morning. It was pretty early, and sort of sitting at the media desk. And it came up with this um, one of the remits, I think it was from the Tauranga branch, that they were really keen to get them to table this um, Respect New Zealand Values Bill, you know, in Parliament. Uh, and what followed was some rather, you know, what we thought was rather some extraordinary sort of um, views from New Zealand First members. And, and I captured a little bit of that in those um, in, in those voxies where people, you know, some of the New Zealand First supporters, you don't have to you know, scratch too hard before you sort of get to this real anger and resentment of immigrants in New Zealand. Um, you know, like the, the one guy there that, you know, just, there's nothing worse than coming into a shop and hear someone not speaking English. You know, like, really quite upset about it. And, it was, and often I find New Zealand First members give you very good voxes like that. You know, but on the flip side, you know, I think it's a legitimate concern for people to be concerned about immigration, right? Yeah, and I guess that's the thing that New Zealand First, it's always been one of their things that they've um, brought up, and every now and then we have this happen and it flares up yeah. and people are just reminded of that. Um, Mr Peters has perhaps had to somewhat um, amend and tweak his public um, speaking about this, given um, Labour's position on this, but he he has had to it, it, it does pop up as a feature and um, is perhaps interesting timing. I think we'll probably see it in another year and then probably it'll pop up in election year too. What even are New Zealand values though? <laughs> well, I think that's what <laughs> We tried to were. list them in the office. We can't. Must like, just... like Wheat Bix and yeah. Marmite. Well, I guess, yeah. you know, 
what what Winston, the points Winston Peters was making was, hey, you know, uh, you don't want people. Uh, this is him speaking, you know, you don't want people coming uh, to New Zealand who think that women are second-class citizens, you know, who who aren't as good as men. That's not what we want here. I think he's given other examples during the week of you don't want immigrants coming here and, you know, not paying people properly, um, you know, jobs like that. There's laws. That's right, and I you know, it made me think of, you know, Helen Kelly, who used to just all the time highlight those, you know, shocking dairy industry jobs that farmers were advertising for, where, you know, the hours were enormous, the pay was pathetic, all illegal. It's like, you know, it, it's not just a, a, a property, you know, of immigrants to sometimes treat mm. employees badly, right? Just a few weeks ago, though, I was in an interview with Winston Peters where he reiterated his position on the treaty, and he was saying that um, it's his belief that when the Crown signed up to the treaty, they were not signing up to a partnership with Māori. So there is no no partnership in the treaty. I mean, are those the types of values that he's talking about, are Kiwi values? I think a lot of people would take issue with that. Because what's interesting is David Seymour had this idea too, but had a very different set of of proposed values. So Mm. I don't think, uh, even amongst us, us three, I don't think we could come up with a list of values that we would sign up. I mean, that's the point. You have different views and different things and that I, come and together. Think, and especially between generations, mm. I think things would you know, really move on and really change, yeah. right? Between generations. So are you going to have to update? update these values, you know, every every 20 years because they're going to be wildly different. That's an interesting point that you make um, in terms of the gener- difference in generations because in those foxies, obviously, you know, you, you've sort of spoken about those who um, wanted um, that sort of a policy to, to come into play and, and they represented um, a pretty typical sort of... M- Parkia. I'm not going to say it, but middle-aged, older Pākehā. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Whereas um, in that same story, you had those who were actually opposed to that sort of policy. And if you look at it, those were, two of them were um, from minority ethnic groups and the other was a young Pākehā. And I think those are the and, sort and of members people of the Young that, New Zealand First yeah, table, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young yeah. New Zealand First. And they yeah. represent that shifting of um, ideas and thinking and perspectives on this issue. Yeah. And, and we're seeing that across society. So, I mean... Well, whether or not what that means for New Zealand first, because obviously that is not where their core votes lie. Obviously their core votes lie in that older demographic, um, and so maybe they are. It's done well for them mm. um, in terms of that policy. I was going to say um, it was a little uninspiring, though. I mean, 25 years for New Zealand first, and they're still harking on about the same sort of policy, um, sort of treading the same ground. But maybe that's not, why they blasted but, but that's so why, long. Yeah, you could say on one hand that's why they blasted. On the other hand, you could say it's uninspiring if they want mm. to continue ahead for another 25. Mm. Well, one thing that I thought was quite cool, uh, I think it was, you know, so having done this all weekend, Monday night I was um, uh, on Twitter and saw a, uh, saw a story that had been published by a journalist who used to work in the press gallery, an Australian ju- journalist, Karen Sweeney. She's covering an Australian jihadi trial in Melbourne, and one of the jihadists um, during the trial had told people that he thinks all Australian people should have to sign a contract that they're going to respect Muslim values. And if they don't sign, they should either leave the country or be executed. So it made me think, oh, well, you know, made me wonder whether maybe Winston had stolen the jihadist's uh, policy <laughs> there. But they're kind of on the same yeah. thing, you know, having 
values contracts that the yeah. public should sign and have big penalties. <coughs> Just yeah. keep it don't. simple with wheat bix and marmite. I tell you, folks. But I kind of also simple. think. But we have it. The bill of rights. Do you know what I mean? Like we kind of we have that mm. overarching thing with the bill of rights. Anyway, but yeah, I, I feel like it's quite a passionate subject for all of us. I'm so glad that you had such a fun weekend for yeah. all the New Zealand First supporters. Yeah, it's good. good. Um, for those observant among you, you may be questioning why there is a um, phone book, telephone book um, on the table. Perhaps not everyone watching this even knows what a telephone book is, but um, it just is a demonstration and an example um, of what all of the things that are here, this has been a TVNZ studio for many, many decades, and um, these are the things we find. It's from 2003 and 2004, and very curious to know the backstory, but someone has tried to rip it, as you can see there. Um, but it also brings us to a nice segue as well, because someone who's been around even longer than that phone book um, and who runs this podcast is Adam Simpson, and he has... Um, is departing and leaving us for a few months to go and look after um, his children and go on paternity leave. So we'd just like you to come um, come over here because we're just trying for the people um, listening at home um, and not watching it to just have a look. So Adam is the um, – you can sit here so you can have the microphone and I'll talk loudly, but Adam is the um, brainchild of this oh. podcast and it's been going for more than a year Weird. now. Um, is it weird to be sitting Yeah, there? really weird. Is it, is it weirder than I just hover like this over you? Um, you always do that. He's going to leave us for a few months and um, Simone is going to take over. Um, so and you'll, it'll be a seamless transition for everyone. But mm. it's kind of nice for you guys to see, um, you know, who, Behind who the bosses scenes. us around and um, who organises us. Mm. Um, so you're going to head off? Are you not going to miss this place too much? I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm going to expect with you're these the little children. Gaffet. But... Um, you're leaving some a bunch of children, grown children, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, your own, yeah. for your own little cuter ones. I'm pretending that Cl uh, Clark Gayford is the old Adam Simpson. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Yeah. But that's no. where you got your info. It'll, it'll be a great adventure, and I'll be listening, but I will not be calling in with comments. How about that? Oh, I'm, I'm sure that will not be the case. Yeah. I'm sure no, we no, will no. hear about it. Yes. But, yeah, we just wanted to say um, thank you and good luck on your next adventure, and <laughs> we'll see you back here in a in a few months. Yeah, cool. We may make some more tweaks and introductions and you can tell us what you Do like it. and what and you as, don't. As a sign of our appreciation, please have a cameo cream. Oh, yeah, and that was cameo a sign. Cream. Oh, really? Yeah. An another one. Yeah. Those, okay. are, those are New Zealand values right there. <laughs> yeah, 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 Thank yeah, you very much. Welcome. Original. Cool. Um, well, shall I read the little out? Why don't you read the outro? Yeah, yeah. okay. As soon as I wrote it a long time ago. Yeah. No okay, it's, it's great to have you with us. This is Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we cover, we've been covering on One News. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and it's available every Thursday evening or actually mostly Friday evening these days on the One News Facebook page and check us out on your favourite podcasting app. Yay. See you next week, guys. Yeah.